think that's right, Beck. And I think the other thing too is it's it's that funny voice that Pat Mahomes has. Like what what is it? It's like a Kermit the Frog meets. I feel like he even looks like yeah. slightly Kermit the Frog looking. Anyway, yeah. we'll unpack that tonight. Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, season two, episode 18. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Uh, tonight, no Stacey, but we've got Laura, we've got Alex, and we've got Beck. And guys, let's dive straight into the mailbag, because this week, the question is, if we could be drafted to any team, who would it be and why? Uh, Beck, I think I know where you're going to go with this one, but uh, over to you. I mean, no surprises from me being a massive Seattle fan as much as, you know, our offseason this year has been a bit up in shambles and it's kind of questioned a lot of what's happening in our front office and with Pete Carroll. I still love, you know, the um, the culture that they have around the club. I love Pete Carroll as a head coach. Like I feel like he just has so much passion for making his team, you know, want to play for him and want to be the best and he does um, you know, he's so animated on the sideline. He brings that that out in his players as well. And I think, yeah, just in general, all the, you know, any players who have left the franchise really, you know, have showed their appreciation for the Seattle Seahawks and what they've been able to do for their career. So I just think, yeah, being a part of that franchise, regardless for whether you're a starting player or a backup or, you know, you're just there as someone to fill in a spot when needed, I think it would be a really awesome place to be. Yeah, no, I, I think it's an interesting one. You know, they still got nice jerseys. You know, the jerseys still oh, look nice. Uh, Metcalf, he, he's still there, and um, you know, I'm sure sure they've got a good cafeteria. Uh, there Tyler Lockett too. I'm a huge Tyler Lockett <laughs> fan. I feel like he kind of gets pushed he aside does. sometimes. But I'm a huge Tyler Lockett fan too. But yeah, we do have the best jerseys in the league as well. So it'd be nice just to walk around in a cool uniform. All right, where am I going with this one? Uh, not the Patriots, you know, like there's probably some jobs on this earth where you sit in the car park before work and you have to psych yourself up to get out of the car. You know, there's probably like a few tears and you're a little bit emotional and you have to psych yourself up. I think that that's what it would be like to play under Bill Belichick. So I just don't need that sort of negativity, anxiety in my life. So I don't think I could play under Bill Belichick. What, what would I do? Look, I'd go to Tampa, you know. I, again, you know, I've got to really work on this tan, uh, this tan most uh, times of the year. So I'd head down to Florida. Um, just to be in the presence of the great Tom Brady, um, I think would be pretty special. Just, you know, probably run around with a bit of Gatorade or Powerade and make sure he's um, well hydrated there. So for me, I'd run down to Tampa um, if it was me. Uh, Laura, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. Like I would have definitely followed the same lines as Beck and wanted to go to Seattle. But, you know, with the big moves and leadership over there, losing Bobby and losing Russell, I think I'd want to go to the young, exciting team that is Buffalo. You know, I can jump on a table. I would love to be a part of what looks like a great explosive offense and just be in and amongst all that energy and that raw talent that we've got with Josh Allen. So that's 100% where I'd be going. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, I don't don't think I'd recover from that table jumping activity (laughs) that, you know, all Buffalo Mafia are accustomed to you see like 70 year old women that do do it and the the, the, the elderly and and yeah no definitely not something that i could uh, handle at this point in time alex again we all think we know where you're going with this one but uh tell us a little bit about you know the team that you'd love to be drafted to oh this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody but i mean the bears 100 percent like 
you know, spending the amount of time I did in Chicago and like absolutely loving the Bears. And I do, I'm ride or die. I wear Bears head to toe every game day, including my dog. So for me, if I was to get drafted by any team, I mean, and Chicago is a great city for football. It's a great city for sport in general. So for me, it's got to be 100% hands down Chicago Bears. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and speaking of the Chicago Bears, Alex, this is your episode, my friend. Uh, you've been waiting for this one for quite a while, so let's jump in. And uh, I guess our team in focus this week are the Bears uh, from Chicago. Alex, uh, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to hand it straight over to you. Um, talk to us about, I guess, the journey that you've been on over the last few years because, um, you know, it's been up, it's been down, but um, that little quarterback, you know, it's got to be a little bit exciting there for you. Yeah, I'm glad you all could attend my TED Talk on the Bears. This would be a good one for me. I'm very excited. Um, no, it has definitely been an up and down year. I think we've struggled in the quarterback front for for the last couple of years now. I think, you know, we did have a time there where, where Jay Cutler was doing really well for us. You know, last time we were Super Bowl, it was 06 where we lost to, you know, uh, the Colts. Um, so that's probably the closest we've come to the the uh, Super Bowl in a, in a while. So it's been a couple of years since then. But I think we just – what used to be a very strong defensive powerhouse, I think we've kind of lost that mojo a bit, which, you know, is, is, is tough to kind of swallow. I think when your offense isn't really clicking, you need something. And I think that was the defense for Chicago for a while. It was, that was the thing that was holding them together. That was the thing that was stepping up. And I think last year you kind of saw that that kind of falter, you saw them trade up big time to get Justin Fields, which as an Ohio State fan, him going to the Bears, I was ecstatic, so excited, dropped everything I was doing at work when that happened just to watch that. So I still think he's the right pick for Chicago. I just think they need to definitely protect him in that O-line and they need to give him some help on defense. Yeah, I agree with you, Alex. I mean, for anyone that's got doubts on Justin Fields, I mean, they're just not watching the same Athlete. I mean, this guy's athletic. He can do it all, but he's a quarterback, and I just feel like he's got everything about him. Just need to protect him um, somehow. Uh, you know, it, it's. I, I think one of the one of the the big moments from from the previous season was that hit that he took in preseason. Alex, if, if that keeps happening, I mean, we're talking career ending hits there. That was that was unbelievable for a rookie to be hit like that in preseason. Scary stuff. Yeah, it is. I think. I mean, I definitely watched that and held my breath for like five or so seconds because I was like, that's just, that shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening in preseason. It shouldn't be happening in regular season. And I think, and I said this kind of like during the season, Matt Nagy really needs to go because I don't think Matt Nagy knew how to run an offense that suited Justin Fields. He didn't know how to run an offense that suited the talent that we had. And I think he wanted to, he came in and he wanted to run his offense the way he wanted to run it instead of running it with the personnel that he had and, I'm very thankful that we have a new coach to kind of take us forward from next year uh, to next year and Matt Elberfuss. And I'm glad that we got rid of, you know, the GM as well. You know, we we've taken a whole, just kind of gut the system and go, you know what, we've got to do something drastic here. Yeah, exactly right. Now, look, if you're leading pass rushes straight through and hitting your rookie franchise quarterback, it's, 
you know, pack your shit at halftime, get out of here. I don't care how much you're getting paid. And I think that's that's been Chicago's attitude. Um, Laura, you know, the I, I guess the hiring of, of Eberflus was a controversial one because, you know, we know the NFL's moving to the offensive side of the ball. If you don't score 40 points each week, you're going to lose football games. Everyone's going offense, offense, offense. Talk to us a little bit about his hire because it's been mixed reactions. Um, don't doubt his quality on the defensive side of the ball. But, um, yeah, what's your thoughts on that, especially connecting him, him in with a very young, talented quarterback? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's coming at a really interesting time. He's coming into a team whose biggest highlight of their last season was watching the Packers lose in the in the offseason. So, you know, he's coming in with a young quarterback who has already shown himself. We know he's got what it takes. But like Alex said, he wasn't in the environment where he was being nurtured or in a position to succeed. I mean, you're in a locker room with Andy Dalton, probably not the greatest choice. Um, and with Nick Foles, who we only saw for a little bit, and then they finally got rid of him. So I think how the Bears will be successful this season is if, yes, they do focus on their defense, but if they give everything to Justin Fields and if they really focus on building up an offensive or offense around him, especially an offensive line to protect the quarterback, and I think it could be great, but it just matters if they come in and, you know, if they are going to be quarterback focused or if there is going to be more of an agenda focus. I totally agree with all of that. I think regard you could have the best quarterback in the league and if you don't support him with a good O-line, um, he's not going to look good. And I feel like that's what happened to Justin Fields last year. Um, behind Nagy, I just don't think he did a good enough job um, building up that O-line and that playbook to support him. And I think Oberflus coming in this year is going to do a really good job to alter that um, playbook and to bring in some big O-line to protect Justin Fields and actually allow him to show the skills and the talent that he has in that backfield. Yeah, 100%. That O-line is, I mean, I used to watch Bears games at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're watching that O-line do what they were doing. They were just letting guys ride through. It, it just it pains you as a Bears supporter. It pains you as a football supporter because you're like, you've got to be better than that. I do like what they've done in getting Lucas Patrick over from the Packers in that O-line. I think that's going to be a great bolster for them. But I also like what they've done with their offensive and getting Lugeski from the Packers. Like, as a Bears fan, when you see Packers staff come <laughs> over, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, it's just – it's one of those things where you're like, you must have really been – like – like the Packers must have done you dirty for you to then come to the Bears and then turn around and go, hey, I'm going to be on the other side of this rival. And I think that he's going to have a great relationship with Justin. And I think that was a great pick. While I didn't love Matt as head coach, I do like who they've bought in at the offensive coordinator role. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, look back on Justin Fields. I remember watching the draft and he was falling in the draft. And I, I just, I don't understand. This kid is special. He nearly got to the New England Patriots, and I thought, could this be? And then, yeah, Chicago jump up, and they take advantage, which is pretty special. Alex, you know, obviously we're in the middle of a rebuild. I really want to dive into what this team's looking to do from a team-building perspective because, obviously, the Cleo Mack trade something we want to get to. Clearly, there's a little bit of strategy here with Allen Robinson moving on. But, you know, one of the things that I think Justin Fields needs to be realistic about is I don't know whether we've got a Super Bowl winning team here. I think this is a team that's right in the middle of a rebound, in a, in a rebuild, sorry. I think they should put a circle around him and say, any sort of pressure that comes your way, you've got to throw away the football. There was a season, speaking of the Packers, where Aaron Rodgers did that. His O-line could not protect him. So he just threw the ball into the stands. What's your thoughts on that? Justin Fields, any sort of pressure, get rid of the ball, no more hits this season. I mean, look, he's always going to run. 
he is always going to run. That's his bread and butter, I think. But I think you got to put him in a system where he has that option. And I don't think he was put in that system where he had that option where the O-line was willing to protect him. And the best game that he had, right, he, he, like, he can go and score. And he'll run and get you a touchdown. He showed that a couple of times. I think when Matt Nagy went out with COVID in one of those games, I can't remember who it was against, that was the best game we've seen from Justin as far as rush yards and his ability to throw the ball. Um, so I think yeah, – yeah, look, he can throw the ball. He definitely can. But I also think you got to remember that he is, he, he is extremely mobile, but he's very good on his feet and he will find gaps and get you a touchdown. Yeah, I feel like he's the type of player where you have to allow him to be himself out on the field. When you restrict him and tell him a certain way to play or, you know, obviously you want to protect him. You don't want your starting quarterback to get injured at all because that's devastating for the rest of your season. But I feel like he's the type of player where he will make good decisions when he's comfortable and he knows that he's supported by that offensive coordinator and by that head coach that allows him to be himself out on the field. And he's like Barker said, he's going to run. He's going to want to, you know, be athletic out there on the field. And I think allowing him to do that and supporting him to do that will make him a better player. And I think we said that in one of like the first kind of like rundowns when preseason happened or even the first week of season, I said, he looked like he was, you know, when your seatbelt gets stuck and you're trying to get out, he looked like that in the backfield. Like he just, he wasn't Matt Nagy wasn't allowing him to move his feet and run with the ball. And I think when they actually started to allow him to do that, it became a very different offense. So I think, Matt has got to understand that that boy is going to run if you let him. It's uh, it's scary though, you know, just just one hit away from from something terrible happening there with your QB. But hey, we got Nick Foles in the in the background. Uh, you know, we have some special talent there, and uh, now it's going to be really interesting to see. Alex, come on, let's talk about the rebuild and and the team building and some of the strategy here because it, it is interesting and. You know, anyway, I'll, I'll let you talk about this, but, you know, when it comes to a rebuild, how do you rebuild? You need capital, and ultimately you need to do a little bit of a fire sale. Talk to us about some of the plays you have lost, but you did get some, you know, you did you did get some good compensation there into the future. Yeah, look, I mean, I was devastated when I saw Cleo Mack go. I think he was a great asset for Chicago. I was ecstatic when he came from the Raiders. He did so well for the Bears. I think just the last two seasons with injury, I think really kind of plagued him and he couldn't quite live up to the standard he was because when he was healthy, he was a beast to watch. And I think the first thing I said when I saw him get traded was like, well, what do I do in my Mac jersey now? Like, I can't wear that. Like, it's just, (laughs) I just can't do that. But yeah, Allen Robinson, I think we always knew he was going to go when he didn't take the franchise tag two years ago. You kind of suspected that he was on his way out with the Bears, which is sad. And he didn't really have a big performance last year. Darnell Mooney kind of stepped in there. So he was going to go. Tariq Cohen, again, another injury. So we were just paying paying players to sit, you know, injured on the bench, which is something that we can't afford to do in this franchise. So I think creating that capital space that they need. I was sad to see Pat O'Donnell go. I think as far as a punter, uh, that was interesting for me because I never thought we had any issues there. Um, and I think dropping him was was a very interesting one for the Bears just because I felt like we've been quite good there <laughs> out of most teams. But, I mean, you still got Raekwon Smith and, and a couple of the other guys, and you got Dave Montgomery who's still there in the running back spot. You know, I don't think they'll be getting rid of him anytime soon because he just keeps producing and producing, even coming back after injury last year. Um, and you've got some guys kind of in that linebacker role that, that are going to do well. So, yeah, I was devastated to see Mac go, but I understand when you're looking at when you can, you know, once the smoke clears out of that and you can see kind of the future and the cap space that we've kind of given ourselves for the next couple of years, I, I think it was the 
the right decision. Yeah, Laura, when you're struggling to pay your bills, you've got to, I, I guess, get rid of uh, as much as you can. This fire sale, you know, Chicago find themselves in an interesting situation. Talk about a fire sale. I, I guess that the frame's still there, maybe a front door, potentially a fridge, but there's not much else there. Um, Laura, Alex touched on something really interesting earlier. It was around the defense. You know, one of the things that, you know, yes, Chicago, they've been up and down, they've been inconsistent. But one of the things that you know is once you hit Soldier Field, you know you're going to be in for a tough day, um, you know, trying to, I guess, tackle this defense. This is a whole new generation here for Chicago. They're really going to have to try and pull this together with a lot of unheralded players. Talk to us a little bit about this new era of Chicago defense. It's going to be very different. It is. And kind of like you said, you know, for years, Chicago has not been a team that people have wanted to play. You know, you haven't wanted to go to Soldier Field and you didn't know what you were going to get on any given day. We saw the Seahawks lose to them at the end of the season last year, you know, so you never actually know what you were going to get. And it's interesting coming in at a time now where we don't know what to expect from this new coaching regime. We, you know, lost the greatest player. I'm not as good about it as Alex's, I think Khalil is a big mistake. I think that was a huge loss. And I don't think they're going to get talent like that, especially in the next couple of years. Um, So it's a hard time. I'm really not sure what's going to happen. I think Robert Quinn was a big standout last year. It'd be great to see him build on that a bit more this year, but it's going to be hard to get any idea and get any picture really until we start seeing them in the first few weeks of the regular season. Beck, it's prediction time. I really want you to, I guess, talk to us about what your expected record is for Chicago. Our way too early predictions, we can obviously tweak them between now and the start of the season. They won six games before. Um, I guess my question to you, as you sort of talk to us about that record, is they're really just competing with Minnesota. You know, everyone still expects the Packers to somehow still win this division. Don't know who Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing the football to. He's going to have to figure that out. Maybe a few of their defensive players can play both sides of the ball. But, you know, Detroit are going to Detroit. It, it really is. Can Chicago keep pace with Minnesota, who, you know, they're making some moves in their own right, and they have some quality players on their roster. Um, you know, you've, you've, you've just got to battle and try, try and get up there in that top two in this division. Can Chicago do it? And, and what's, your, what's your thoughts on their records? Will they do better than um, six wins this year? Uh, you know what? I actually think they will do a little bit better because I think they're going to have a little bit more consistency in this backfield. They're going to have a permanent starting quarterback in Justin Fields, hopefully, with this very offensively minded head coach that's going to support him and make him a better player. Um, but they also need to do a really good job in their draft and draft some really good defensive players that are going to be able to step up and fill the places of these players that they've lost on the defense and still maintain that fearful defense that everyone has of them. So I'm going to, I'm going to give them eight wins. I'm going to give them two extra wins. Cause I just, I just think that having, you know, like I said, that consistency in the backfield with Justin Fields is going to help bring this offense together a little bit stronger for their season next year or yeah, this year. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And it's hard to kind of like uh, analyze these teams pre-draft. Obviously we'll get to, you know, we'll come back to Chicago after the draft. And once, once that sort of final, you know, 53 is put together, but look for me, I, I just don't see it. I, I think the, I think the bears are going to really struggle in the upcoming season. I think this is a four or five win football team, but I actually think that's the best thing for Chicago. As long as they can protect Justin Fields and somehow getting through that season, 
we could be looking at a pretty spectacular draft next year. I mean, they are going to have all the compensation, all of the draft picks, all of the salary cap next year to just go out and build, you know, an LA Rams type football team. So look, I know I know it's challenging for Chicago fans, but if, if we can sort of hang in there for 12 more months and a poor season here, look, if you're not going to win the Super Bowl, not such a bad thing um, if you can really sort of maximize that. But again, I'm with you, Beck. Fast forward 12 months, being in that draft room, that's going to be probably one of the most, you know, those few days are probably going to be the most important that Chicago's had um, over the past 10 years. So, look, it's exciting times there for Chicago. Um, You know, Laura, obviously we're going to hold off Alex for a second here. She's itching to to tell us um, her thoughts on this one. But, yeah, look, it's an interesting division, isn't it? You know, we've got Chicago, we've got Minnesota, we've got Green Bay doing weird things, and then, you know, Detroit, are they ever going to pop up and surprise us? Yeah, what's your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think they're definitely going to come on top of Detroit. I don't expect anything at all coming out of there is what we're used to. Maybe something exciting on Hard Knocks, but that would be it. But, you know, I reckon they could pretty much stay the same. I reckon six to seven wins is what we're looking at. I completely agree with you. This year they need to protect their quarterback and gear up, and I think that's what the strategy will already be, getting ready for next year's draft. And I think hopefully we'll see them beat uh, Green Bay at one point. That would be great. And I think they definitely have the capabilities to do that, especially if they don't do anything too exciting with the rest of this offseason. But, yeah, I reckon they'll be pretty much the same as what we've seen. All right, Alex, we've set the bar pretty low here. I I guess all I would say on the final matter is if Eberflus leads his team to the Super Bowl, they're just going to put him straight into Canton, into the Hall of Fame. They're going to build statues. There's going to be parades. Uh, But anyway, tell us your breakdown of this because, yeah, it's an interesting situation for Chicago. If he leads him to the Super Bowl, I'm spending my life saving <laughs> on Super Bowl tickets goes to the Bears. For sure, 100%. Look, I'm not going to be as Debbie Downer as the three of you because, like, <laughs> whoa, that was depressing to listen to. Beck, I appreciate the eight wins, but four and five here, six down here, my goodness. Just keep in mind, right, we were beating the Packers the second time we played them last season at halftime. So I just want to put that in perspective perspective just fyi the packers are definitely beatable i think they're definitely beatable next year i definitely want chicago to be the monsters of midway like they were in 2018 because they they still can be they still are in my mind i'm gonna go with beck but i'm gonna be a little bit nicer i'm gonna go nine and eight i really think that with as long as they get the running game right, they get another receiver outside of Darnell Mooney. And if they're going to have that many tight ends, use them in the right way, I think we are going to be a team to be, you know, messed with on the, on the offense. I think our defense is good. I think Robert Quinn is going to be a standout replacement for Khalil Mack there um, because he showed that he was when Mack was injured. So I'm going to go nine and eight, but I love my bears. And I just, I just, I can't do a four and five season, Dan. I can't. All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble. All right, guys, in the match tonight, it's the battle of the coaches as we see Mike Tomlin from the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up against Andy Reid from the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a blockbuster clash. Uh, Beck, I'm, I'm going to try and, uh, you know, try and keep my Patriots hat on here because underneath that, I, I know I'm supposed to despise the Steelers and I kind of do, but it's really hard to do that because Mike, Mike Tomlin, he's got all the style in the world and it's beyond that. He's an incredible football coach. Let's start with Tomlin. Uh, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on him because, um, he certainly had a lot of success in the league. 
Yeah, Tomlin, he comes across, I feel like when you first meet him without knowing, you know, who he is as a person and his history in the league, he comes across as, you know, the guy who's going to be your best friend and the guy who's kind of not really as knowledgeable as he is around the game. But I feel like he's proven to show that, you know, he's taken to the Steelers to the playoffs multiple years in a row. He's um, had a successful Super Bowl run. He's, um, you know, super easygoing, but also like really hard at the same time. I feel like as a head coach, he he brings the best out in his players, but also makes playing fun. Like he, it's, he's not there to, you know, yell at them and be hard on them and, you know, run them down all the time. He's lifting them up and he's building them and he's making them the best players he can be. And he'd be, he's just such a fun coach to want to play for. Yeah, I'm going to jump in. I am so passionate about Mike Tomlin. I feel a bit like Alex right now. He is my favorite coach in the NFL. You know, when you compare him to Andy Reid, they both have had very different journeys. You know, Mike Tomlin has had Ben for the majority of his career, whereas we've seen Andy Reid, you know, with a bunch of different quarterbacks and with a bunch of different teams. I think Mike Tomlin has an incredible line of communication with his team, with his front office, with his fan base. You know, everyone loves him. Everyone respects him. And he's able to motivate his players, whether he's on the field, off the field. You know, we saw him manage, I'm going to use the word manage, Antonio Brown and navigate him through that career. And then we just saw amazing things. And I think that's a hard, um, it's a hard thing for other coaches to kind of compare themselves to. You know, he was in the playoffs, 10 out of 15, like you said, Beck. And, you know, I think he is one of the best coaches and he's a coach people want to play for. And if you're coming into the league, you want to be built up in that atmosphere and with a leader like that. So I think he's a standout for sure. Yeah. Tomlin is absolutely incredible. And I, and I think, you know, when you think about, you know, big media personalities and things that are, you know, great to listen to, obviously number one is Mojo Sports NFL show, obviously, <laughs> but second to that is Mike Tomlin. You're going to run through walls for that guy. I think every time he speaks, the world listens and, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of people have sort of said after coaching, he could do anything. He could be massive in sports media. He could go on and do other things because, um, you know, he, he's just got it um, and, and fantastic. And Alex, I'll throw it over to you if your thoughts on Tomlin, you know, as Laura spoke about, you know, Big Ben, you know, he was he was unbelievable during those early stages of his career. But towards the end, look, the guy had a noodle arm, you know, with all due respect. Um, he couldn't, uh, you know, sort of struggled a little bit. Um, so, you know, we're, we're probably moving into a new era now. And, um, you know, we're going to touch on, obviously, the, uh, the challenging situation that lies ahead. Um, you know, we probably should probably should talk about it now. Um, our biggest condolences from the Mojo Sports team for uh, the passing of Dwayne Haskins. Um, Alex, it, it's really, really difficult to talk about, isn't it? 22 years of age, he was only a baby, and you really felt like he'd sort of got his life back on track, was headed to be, you know, potentially a QB1 back in the league, whether that was in Pittsburgh or, or another location. I guess I tied in with Mike Tomlin because now he finds himself in the post-Ben era. We've spoken about all the talent that he's got, the, the terrible tragedy in and around Dwayne Haskins, but if there was anyone that was going to be able to bring this team around, um, yeah, it, it's Mike. Yeah, 100%. I mean, as an Ohio State fan, watching Dwayne Haskins play was 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 just he, – he was just a different kind of quarterback. And I think I remember saying this to you when he did play those preseason games for the Steelers. Um, just give the guy a chance because – and I think that was a thing. I don't think Washington was the right place for him. I think the Steelers was definitely the right system for him. Um, and I think Mike Tomlin kind of took him under his wing – 
And all he, like, if you just gave that guy a chance, he would have worked extremely hard for you because he showed that when he played Ohio State. I think he showed that when when he was at the Steelers. Um, so yeah, definitely that was that was horrible to kind of read and hear as an Ohio State fan, as a Dwayne Haskins fan, even. Um, yeah, I was I was good to hear about that one. And now you know Mike Tomlin kind of has a tough job in trying to figure out who to fill into that role because I think Dwayne Haskins would have. It would have taken him a year or two, but I think he would have easily and happily have stepped up to be quarterback number one for the Steelers. Yeah, definitely. No, it's uh, it's a terrible situation. And, you know, you think about some of Dwayne's uh, struggles on the field, you just got to remember he's so young. And I think that's something, you know, we've got to think about when we're analyzing these young quarterbacks when they're coming through the draft. They're just coming out at all different ages. You know, we're getting sort of, you know, 21, 22-year-olds. Then we're getting 24, 25-year-olds. And the COVID kids who got that extra year of eligibility, they're pushing they're pushing 26 years of age. So I know, I know Kyle Pickett, he's nearly 32. So, you know, it's just incredible in terms of some of the uh, some of the age differences there. But, um, yeah, terrible tragedy there. Uh, Mike Tomlin, definitely the man to try and, um, you know, rebuild the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, Beck, let's flip it over to Andy Reid. Um, high-quality player, high-quality coach. Um, you know, the thing with Andy is, you know, there was a lot of pressure around him to, ha- I-, I guess, you know, deliver that Super Bowl success. Um, I guess my my direct question to you is, I don't, I just don't feel like there's anyone on the planet that would have looked at Patrick Mahomes in that draft and, and even in any way thought that this guy could, could be what he's turned out to be. But, you know, you've got to give credit to, to Andy Reid. He... He moved up the draft board. He saw something he liked in Patrick Mahomes, and whilst all of us were clearly sleeping, um, you know, it, it's probably one of the one of the best moves in NFL draft history. I think we have to give some credit to Andy Reid with the experience that he has around his time in the league, because he has had you know a lot of players come and go from under him in his teams that he has coached. Um, as a head coach, as a coordinator, any role that he's been in, he's seen players come and go. So he obviously has this this talent to be able to see players and pick players and know the talent and the potential that they do have. And he obviously, like you said, saw something in Patrick Holmes and it was probably yeah, the best move that he could have made for this Chiefs team because I feel like having him, uh, Patrick Mahomes, in that backfield has completely flipped around this offense and added so much to this franchise. Um, so, yeah, Andy Reid, you know, like he's just his experience and his knowledge around players and playbook is insane. And, you know, he's got 30 years on Mike Tomlin. So, you know, it, it's his age definitely speaks for his um, knowledge. Yeah, I think it's just, I, he's such a just interesting coach to watch because, like, you, he, to me, he looks like someone who'd be just, like, very calm and composed. And then sometimes you get him in certain scenarios, you're like, oh, he can actually, like, set off but I think you know you kind of look at it when he came into 2013 when he came into the Chiefs in 2013 and kind of turned that that franchise around the way he did and I think the way he coaches which is like you know he he's obviously extremely passionate about what he did but he has that like workman like approach to it in the way that he coaches I think people have kind of mentioned when he talks like when you see analysts talk to John Madden and stuff about about reading his coaching they're like he has that workman like style where it's like you're working you're putting in that effort every day and I think that shows in the Chiefs ability to do what they've been able to do in the last couple years yeah I just felt like he was ahead of the game you know he knew where where I guess the game was headed you know it was an offensive game and he saw this young quarterback who was erratic and 
wild and untamed and you know at the very start of the episode we spoke about you know that kermit type you know uh, you know that voice that weird thing that pat mahomes has got going on you know you certainly wouldn't have interviewed him and and think and thought that you know this guy is going to be the next biggest thing but you know um yeah credit to andy reid um laurie i I guess the other thing too is you know he, he is coaching one of the best teams one of the best franchises but one of the things that i've always thought about with the Kansas City Chiefs is they still require a lot of coaching because they're always unbalanced. You know, that they have their Mahomes, they've had their Kelseys, they've had their Tyreek Hill, they've had a couple of, you know, uh, I guess high-quality def- defensive players. But, you know, this is one of the rare situations where you've got one of the best teams in the, in the league, but they require a lot of coaching to stay on top. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because I mean, before Patrick Mahomes, we had Alex Smith, and I think what Andy Reid started to do and build there was amazing you know he has a track record as an incredible coach but it does definitely sadly also in a way chip away at that legacy a little bit when you do have such a plethora of great players like Travis Kelsey like Patrick Mahomes and like what we had with Tyreek Hill I think that's what makes the situation a little bit different because he had those players there was definitely that added pressure and that added expectation and when we saw the Chiefs you know not live up to Tom Brady and not live up to Tampa a couple of years ago, I think that really was sort of the start of a few questions that actually haven't really lifted and they haven't really left. When we saw Patrick Mahomes have his few little issues last season, it was like, feel finally it's over. He's gone. Um, But, you know, he's got a great team there. He's got a great sense of camaraderie throughout and everyone loves him. You know, you hear Travis Kelsey constantly gassing him up and, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's a it's an interesting one. He's a great coach, one of the greatest coaches of all time, but it's it would be interesting to see him at this point in his life with this experience maybe lose a few more of those weapons and really we could see what really he's got left in the tank. Yeah, we could test him out like Bill Belichick. All right, guys, no sitting on the fence when it comes to the match. Let's pick our player. Let's pick our coach. Um, look, for me, I'm going to go Mike Tomlin for a couple of reasons. I think Andy Reid, he can get a little bit too cute when it comes to the offensive side of the game. He's always trying to outsmart the room, and sometimes that can sort of blow up in his face a little bit. So, yeah, there's some really, uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, that's 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 the brilliance there we've got to deal with with Andy Reid. The other reason is I know that Mike is an avid listener of this podcast, and I just don't want to upset the guy. You know, he's just the, he's just someone, I value his opinion, his beliefs. So, Mike, I, I know you're listening there. Don't want to upset you, my friend, so I'm going to go Mike Tomlin. Uh, Beck, really difficult. We've picked two of the best coaches in the game. I, I guess there's no real uh, right or wrong answer but what's your thoughts on this one yeah I'm going with you I'm like a massive fan of Mike Tomlin he was one of my you know the coaches that I watched a lot in the first couple of seasons and I started watching NFL and I just love the culture that he brings to the club I love you know how much his players adore him as a head coach just the person that he is the person that you see yeah just Mike Tomlin all the way Laura, I, I guess you obviously mentioned that he's one of your favorites as well so I'm just going to go with Mike here but uh you know, I, I guess Pittsburgh are going to be everyone's second team now after the du- after the Dwayne situation. Everyone likes Mike, Mike Tomlin. Um, anyway, uh, pick your winner here, but it, it's a big year ahead for Tomlin. Huge year for Tomlin. Um, yeah, I'm obviously going with him. I'm a very passionate fan. I think he's an incredible person. I think the way he stood up in the wake of these um, Brian Flores issues, I think Malik Willis summed it up perfectly um, when he went to visit the quarterback down in Liberty. You know, they were sitting eating chicken wings together. That's the type of person Mike Tomlin is. And, yeah, I'm backing him. I think this is a big year, but I think if he can get the right team around him, if he can draft well, if they can draft well, then, yeah, it's going to be great. Alex? Uh, For me, i got to go Mike Tomlin. I just think he has a certain presence on the field where he, like, he wants players to play for him and players want to play for him. 
And I think that's the difference between him and Andy Reid. I think sometimes you look at Patrick Holmes, you go, well, I think you're running the offense a little bit more than Andy <laughs> Reid. Whereas I think Mike Tomlin, he's, he's the head, you know, and, 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 you know, he's the guy that, you know, players want to play for really. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, team. Well, let's look into our rapid fire this week, and we're diving into, well, speaking of Andy Reid, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, it's, it's quite interesting trying to keep pace with all of these movements. It's probably been the most historic offseason we've ever seen in terms of roster moves. Uh, but what that means is there's quite a few teams out there that have uh, yeah, definitely got to make some running repairs. Um, so the question I've got for you this week is, where do Kansas City need to improve their roster? Uh, Beck, going to start with you. Yeah, I think um, for me, after losing Tyreek Hill, I think they really need to work on filling in that spot in that receiver position. He was such a weapon for them on their offense. It's what made their offense so multifaceted. And without him, I think they're going to struggle to move the ball down the field, even if he, because, you know, whether they were throwing the ball to him or not, he dragged defensive players away because he was such a threat downfield. So I think picking up a receiver, you know, they have quite a few draft picks in this year's draft. So if they can trade up, you know, a couple of spots or even in, you know, in the second round, pick up a decent receiver, you know, in, you know, there's Jameis Williams from Alabama, George Pickens from Georgia. There's so many receivers out there that they could add to this offense that to be able to fill that spot for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, big loss. Makes them even more interesting though, you know, like, you know, can they continue to do the Chiefs thing without Tyreek? It's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, look, for me, they got to be able to run the ball. You know, that's one of the biggest downfalls of Kansas City. They have a couple of guys who perform okay. Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumbled a few times. So for me, I don't think you've got to spend a lot of draft capital. You've just got to sit in the weeds and just really try and study the draft and, and really pick out a late-round draft pick who, you know, can give you some production um, as, as, a, as a young running back. So for me, um, yeah, RB in the upcoming draft would be very, very helpful. Alex? Uh, for me, I think they should go defense. I think they definitely need to bolster that part, especially their rush defense. So for me, I'd go defensive lineman and Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. I think when you look at some of the mock drafts, that's kind of who they think. If you're going to go defense, that's who a lot of the mock drafts think they should pick. 100% agree with it. I think he's deceivingly quick, a little bit, big guy, but I think they've got to bolster it there. Yeah, I love that. Laura, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of different positions being spoken about now. And I, I guess that's, that's where Kansas City's at. They've got a few areas that they really need to address. just like what Alex said, you know, Kansas need to be getting to the quarterback. They need to be getting there. They're not doing it. They're not doing it well. I reckon there's a great pickup in the second round if they can get the defensive tackle from Alabama, Fedarian Mathis. I think that would be a great pickup. He's fast. He can get there. And that's really what they need now to start cementing these wins. All right, team, that's all the time we have. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support of the NFL show. How can you help? Please download the podcast. Don't just listen. Download so we can see all of you out there. Um, And as always, continue to share the podcast with family and friends. And until next week, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. 
Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.